0: After he had been crucified and laid in Joseph's new tomb and rose from the dead, before he ascended back to the Father, Jesus gave the great commission to his disciples. Matthew records it for us in Matthew 28, as Jesus says, "...Go ye therefore and teach all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Mark records it in Mark 16. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. They were to go and preach the gospel. Luke says that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in the name of Jesus among all nations, and it would start in Jerusalem. Right before He ascended to the Father in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus told His disciples there, He said, You'll be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now keep all that in your mind. That Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That Jesus said repentance and remission of sins would be preached in His name among all nations. And here's what James would write for us in James chapter 1 and verse 22. Be you doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, Jesus said, Go teach all nations. James would write, Be ye doers of the Word. Do those two passages of Scripture, coupled together, do those help us to understand that it is a personal, individual responsibility incumbent upon each of us to tell our friends about Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we've got to get seasick and do mission work to reach lost souls. It doesn't mean we've got to put a DVD player, in the old days would have been a film strip projector. But it doesn't mean we've got to put a DVD player under our arm and go to people's houses and start showing them DVDs. It doesn't mean I've got to go down here on the street corner and start hitting people over the head with the Bible. It doesn't mean I've got to go knock on the door of perfect strangers and tell them I want to study the Scriptures with you. But it does mean that in our own individual sphere of influence, among those people we come in contact with on a daily basis, we have a responsibility to tell our friends, About Jesus. When Jesus said it was going to happen, He said, Repentance and remission of sins will be preached in My name among all nations. He said it was going to begin in Jerusalem. And He said, You'll be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It was to start in Jerusalem. And folks, our Jerusalem is Center, Texas. You ever thought about the purpose of the church? About what is or what should be the business of every member of the Lord's church? It is to magnify Jesus Christ in what we say and what we do. That's the solemn duty, and it's also the great privilege. Of every follower of Jesus. To tell others about Jesus in word and in deed. We tell other people about Jesus by the words we speak to them. But you know what? In order for us to tell people about Jesus Christ, we've got to have some first-hand knowledge of Jesus. You remember over in the Gospel according to John there in chapter 1 when Andrew was introduced to Jesus? Andrew and John were walking along with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had been preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist looked up and he saw Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Andrew and John went and started following Jesus. And I can almost see it by an eye of faith. Jesus is walking along and they're following at a distance. Have you ever had that feeling you're being followed? Well, Jesus turned around and John says, He's turned around and said, What seek ye? That's what the King James says. Jesus turned around and he probably said, You fellows want something? Or what can I do for you? They said, Master, where dwellest thou? And you know what he said? He said, Come and see. And they went and spent the day with Jesus. And then what do we find out? After he spent the day, they spent the day with Jesus, it says that Andrew went and he found his brother Simon. And he brought him to Jesus. Now the record says it was about the tenth hour. That would have been late in the afternoon. And if you'll permit me a little bit of my sanctified imagination. Late in the afternoon that Andrew and John went home with Jesus. And you know, I'm glad that heaven's going to be for eternity. Because I've got already such a long list of people I want to talk to and things I want to find out but I can envision that that Andrew and and John went home with Jesus that afternoon late and they found some pressed ham and cheese and a loaf of bread and they made some sandwiches they made a pot of coffee and I can envision that they drank coffee late into the night and they made another pot and probably another And I don't think there was much sleeping that probably went on that night. Because whatever they talked about and whatever they discussed with Jesus, it made such an impression on Andrew that he first went and found his brother Simon. And he brought him to Jesus. One of the things I want to do when I get to heaven is I want to sit down with Andrew. And I'm going to say, Andrew, tell me what you talked about. Tell me what he had to say to you. Tell me what it was like. That's what I want to know. But Andrew had first-hand knowledge of Jesus. And he went and found Simon. There was that woman in John chapter 4, that outcast, that shunned woman at Jacob's well. The woman that had been married five times and was living with a man that wasn't her husband. And Jesus is sitting there and He asked her for a drink of water. And then Jesus told her about living water. And Jesus told her about God and about worship. And she forgot all about what she'd come to the well for. John tells us she left her water pots. And that outcast woman went into the city and she started telling people, I've met the Messiah. I've met the one Moses talked about. And you know what John tells us? It says that many believed on Jesus. Why? Because of the saying of the woman. Because she had first-hand knowledge of Jesus Christ. Folks, the church of the first century was blessed with some great preachers. There were men like Paul and Barnabas and Apollos and Peter. But the great spread of Christianity in the first century, it wasn't because of the great preachers that they had. That wasn't why Christianity spread so rapidly. It was because of the individual efforts of ordinary men and women that went out to tell their friends about Jesus. People like the woman at the well people like Andrew, people that were able to go out and tell others the difference that Jesus Christ had made in their lives. We tell others about Jesus by what we say. But folks, we also tell other people about Jesus by what we are. We tell other people about Jesus how we live. We're to let our light shine. That others will see our good works. That others will see our godly lives, if you will, and glorify the Father in heaven. Some of the strongest rebukes that Jesus ever uttered were for the Pharisees. And Jesus rebukes for the Pharisees were not because they failed to teach the truth. He rebuked them because they failed to practice what they were preaching. They pointed the way to the spring, but they never actually drank of the water themselves. They showed people the road But they didn't have the commitment and the dedication to travel the road. You see, Jesus' rebukes for them were because they commended to other people a life that they weren't willing to live themselves. And write this down. It's on the final exam. Beloved, that's a course of life that always spells tragedy, even the very best among us can preach better than we practice. And that's true because the gospel is a perfect gospel. And even the best of us practice it imperfectly. But it's a great tragedy when you and I fail to put into practice for ourselves the gospel that we offer to others. It's futile for us to commend a treasure to our fellow man. A treasure like the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then for us to treat it as a trifle. How useless is it to press on others the need for prayer, the value of prayer, if we ourselves don't pray. We tell other people about Jesus by what we say. We tell other people about Jesus by what we do. We tell other people about Jesus through who we are and what we are. And sadly, often what we are contradicts what we say and what we do. Like that old expression, the thunder of what we are. Can sometimes drown out the whisper of what we say we are. What we are as individuals ought to positively reinforce and make effective what we say and what we do. You remember one time in the book of Acts when two men stood before the council? They were brought in front of the same group of men that had sentenced Jesus Christ to death. The stories in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John had gone to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and there was a lame man there at the beautiful gate begging alms. And Peter had said, "Look on us," and Peter said, "Silver and gold have I none such as I have; give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk." Peter healed that lame man that day at the beautiful gate of the temple. Then he preached at Solomon's porch, from Solomon's porch there at the temple. Chapter 4 opens telling us that the number of men that believed were about 5,000. So when this group of men, the Jewish council, the same ones that had sentenced Jesus to death when they brought Peter and John there in front of them to defend themselves, they weren't a group that was disposed to look kindly upon Peter and John. They were not a group that was looking for the best that there was in these two men that morning. But though they looked on Peter and John that day with critical eyes, They were forced to a conclusion that Peter and John were Christ-like. It says when they beheld the boldness of Peter and John, when they saw that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Peter's preaching had to have been impressive. Five thousand men believed. But what Peter was was even more impressive because they said, This man, this man has been with Jesus. We win souls more by what we are and how we live than by what we say. Jesus Christ places a great value on the individual. Go through this book and see just how many of the great sermons and lessons that Jesus taught were just for the individual. That woman at Jacob's well that we mentioned a moment ago. Or in Luke chapter 19, there's a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus that climbs up in a sycamore tree because he wants to see the Lord. And Jesus comes by and He looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going home with you. Zacchaeus is another one. I want to find out what they said and what they talked about. Because it says he was a rich man. And after Jesus went home with him, Zacchaeus said, half of everything I've got I'm going to give to the poor. And if I've taken anything wrongfully from any man, I'm going to restore it to him, Zacchaeus said, fourfold. Jesus must have preached a powerful lesson that day. And then early that morning, as He's sitting at the court of the temple, when the Pharisees, they drag that woman, they that, that woman that's disheveled and her dress is no doubt torn and she's got the dirt and grime of the city streets on her and they fling her down in front of Jesus' feet, and tears are running down her face. And they said, Lord, we caught this woman in adultery in the very act, and the law says we should stone her. What do you say? Jesus didn't say anything. He wrote down, wrote on the ground. And then He said, well, let the one among you that's without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones on the pavement, and they went away. And the lesson Jesus taught and the things He said to the woman were brief. He said, where are your accusers? No one's condemned you. And she said, no one, Lord. I can see Jesus as He smiled at her kindly. He said, well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Those were lessons Jesus taught just to individuals. And there are others we could mention. And then look at what individuals accomplished for Jesus. Andrew spent the day with Jesus, and then he went and found his brother Simon. We have no way of knowing the others that were led to Jesus Christ through the influence of Andrew. The woman at the well went into the city and she told others about the Messiah, and many believed. Jesus was walking by Matthew's gate of Tollgate one day where Matthew was gathering, Levi Matthew was gathering customs. He told him to follow him. Matthew made a great feast for Jesus and invited all of his friends. And Jesus was criticized for eating that night with publicans and with sinners. But I want you to look at something. I want you to look at the people that Jesus especially invited to be His friends. They were publicans. They were fishermen. As the Sanhedrin said, they were unlearned and ignorant men. They were tainted people. They were sinful people. They were oftentimes the outcasts of society. If you looked at the people that Jesus spent His time with, and if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of the people that Jesus invited to be His friends are not the kind of folks we want in our church. May God have mercy on that kind of attitude. Jesus taught concern for our fellow man. Matthew 7 and verse 12, He said, Whatsoever you would, that men should do to you, do you even so to them. In the story of Luke chapter 10, Where that man is on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves and robbers. They robbed him, they beat him, they left him for dead. The priest and the Levite passed him by. The religious people passed him by. But the Samaritan, a man that was a part of a despised, mongrel race of people, took care of him. He gave him first aid. And He took him to the end. We've got to have concern for our fellow manfolk The book of Acts tells us about when the church was young. The book of Acts is more than just a book of examples on salvation. It's more than just a book on how to worship. Sure, the book of Acts teaches about baptism, and it gives us examples of taking the Lord's Supper and We can read the book of Acts and it thrills us with the stories of conversions and the missionary journeys. But the book of Acts is also a beautiful example of individual Christians being doers of the Word. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 28, the church of the first century was accused of filling Jerusalem with their doctrine. And they did it without a radio, without a television, without a printing press, and without the internet or a cell phone. They did it by just one person telling another. Following the stoning of Stephen, the persecution that took place, it says they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. In Acts 17, verse 6, they were accused of literally turning the world upside down. And they did it by the lives they lived and by their relationships with others. They did it by showing their concern for others. I'm concerned about you and your soul. And if you're not a Christian, I'd want you to become one. I'd beg you to become one and change that status before you leave this building this morning. I beg you in simple, trusting faith, repenting of everything that's sin in your life to confess the name of Christ and be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. And if you've done that, but you haven't lived God's kind of life, your example before others hasn't been what it ought to have been, and that's hampered the spread of Christianity. You need to make changes in that. Make those changes and let brothers and sisters pray with you and for you. The lessons done, the decisions are yours. The invitation is that of Jesus as we stand.